food as a pathway to redemption is not a new concept, but it sometimes is still a remarkable story. And so it is with the story of Acacia Lee. It's on tip of the tongue. Welcome to Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Acacia Lee. She's an author, chef, and entrepreneur, and she's the founder of the Culinary Queens in New Orleans. It's not limited to New Orleans, but that's where uh, its headquarters is. So please tell me, welcome, and tell me all about how you got started as a chef and an entrepreneur. Good morning, Ms. Liz. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited um, about this. So I started cooking uh, at a very young age. My grandparents had a restaurant. And I was always one of the ones that had to peel seasoning, chop garlic and all this, that, and that. So I said at a young age, I never want to cook <laughs> I, because, you know, if I got to do all this, I don't want to do this. So lo and behold, I, I ended up um, not becoming a chef initially. I had a home health care agency from 1999 to 2005. My agency was ultimately closed in 2005. I had well over 200 employees, maybe about 175 clients. Of course, documentation is key and very, very important when you're dealing in the healthcare industry. Ultimately, my agency was closed for Medicaid fraud and I ended up being sentenced to 60 months in prison. I mean, I had such a big corporation that I could not watch everything. I would not sit here today and tell you that some of the things that took place, I had no idea what was going on, but because I had so much to deal with and things were delegated to people, I just couldn't watch everything. But the ultimate thing was I owned that company. So when they came in my office, they were not looking for the employees at that time. They were looking for me. So of course, um, indictment was handed down. I was self-surrendered in December of 2009 to Mariana, Florida to a camp. I served my time, you know, of course I had my moments when I, I really had to ask God and, and go back to him and say, you know, life has to be so much more than, than this. I was in solitary confinement for 92 days by myself. And at that time I said, you know, what is it that you want from me, God? He said to me to surrender. At that point, November, 2010, I got on my knees. I threw up my hands. I said, God, you know, I tried it my way. And here I am, I'm in prison. I said, is is I'm 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 coming to you. I need you. He told me. He said you were an eagle. He said an eagle soar. They can see far more than the naked eye can see. I need you to write your vision. Write your vision. Write your vision, and you make it plain. And once you write your vision, because it's going to tarry. But the thing about it is, at an appointed time, it'll come to pass. So I'm crying. I'm bawling. I'm saying, God, you're going to do this for me. He said, yes. And once you write the vision, you place it in Philippians 4 and 13, which says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Stop calling home to your parents. Stop talking about something you need to get home. You got this time is allocated for me and you. At that point, when I tell you that my life totally changed right there in that prison cell, 
things began to turn around. Um, I was moved to another facility. Then this is where God began to use me. He had me speaking to people, encouraging people in the midst of a prison. So fast forward, I served my time. I come home. I'm like, okay, so now what am I going to do? You're talking about somebody that literally had more than more, probably more money at the time than they would ever spend in a lifetime. Uh, everything was just there for me. And I come home to absolutely nothing, nothing. I had no home. I was living with my dad. I had my two kids at the time. And, you know, I had nothing to prove to Acacia because I had to show my kids that, you know, they, we lost it all, but just give me a chance. I, I promise you that we're never going to have to deal with this again. So I had no degrees because I've always been a smart person. I had an associate's degree in healthcare. And I said, well, you know what? The first thing I want to do, I want to obtain some paperwork to back up what I do. So that way, this time around, I'll have more knowledge of what I need to do to be a business owner. So I got back in school. I did, uh, I have a BS in business administration and I have a minor in small business entrepreneurship, two bachelor's degrees working on a master's now. So I come home and I'm like, okay, so now I need a place to stay. I have all these people that's looking and saying, you know, oh, she's home. Now what she's going to do. That was the vision tearing. I didn't have a point to prove, but I just had to do what I had to do for my kids. Got an apartment, started working at a restaurant. And I'm like, okay, back to a square one. I'm at a restaurant. <laughs> but listen, I, I decided and I had to understand that God said he was going to use me in ways I've never been used before. No longer was I pushing a pen, signing papers, pushing. I was in the kitchen cooking. And that turned into my passion. So I ran a restaurant from uh, 2013 to 2015. And one day I said, you know what? If I can do all this for this restaurant, I can do it for myself. And I launched Let Us Cater For You in 2015. Lo and behold, still getting my life on track. I asked for forgiveness. I asked people to forgive me. I did everything God told me to do. And my son was diagnosed with epilepsy at the age of two. So all his life, he dealt with epilepsy. And in the process of getting myself together, I was able to release my book, Out of Bounds. I wrote this book when I was in captivity for those 92 days. Um, and once I got home, I, I just was trying to get myself together. So I didn't have it published. I got with a publisher. I had my book published. We did a release, a book release party on March 31st, 2019. My kids were just coming together. They was excited. We were getting things back on track. Two days after my book release party, my son passed away. He had epilepsy, he had a seizure, and he passed. How old was he? He was 26 when he passed. So, of course, that was the blow um, because, I, you know, I survived prison. I come home, I get my life back on track, and I'm showing my kids that, you know, yes, this happened. But look at, you know, they were so excited. He was so happy. Two, year, two days later, he passed. And I went back to God again. I said, you know what? I don't believe that you allowed this to happen to me. I said, I did everything you told me to do. And you take my child, you know, like my only son, it's been me and him for 10 years, him and my daughter's 10 years apart. And he said to me, I gave my only begotten son for you. Devon was mine first. And I was like, I, I, you'll get the victory from this just clear and i said how what mother do you know would much rather have the victory and, and lose a child right well i can honestly say today that 
I do have the victory. I miss my son. I do everything in his name. But what God did for me and what he's doing for me is helping other women that have suffered the loss of children or just went through a lot, you know, and just think that they can't recover. Yes, you can. It doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter what you've been through. You can live again. And, you know, I carry my child in my spirit every day because I want him here. But what I've also come to realize, Miss Liz, is that all of the things that I'm doing, it would be impossible for me to do it with my son still being here with his condition because my life was built around my son. He was 26 years old, yes, but, you know, I, I never knew, like, if I'm at an event, somebody would call and say, He's had a seizure in Walgreens parking lot or, you know, um, he's lived on his own at his apartment. Somebody go in, God forbid, like what happened. Right. My daughter found him dead, you know. So three years, April 3rd, made three years. But the past three years of my life have been awesome. Um, I have victories. I have uh, now a restaurant. Like I said, I have a talk show, Acacia Lee Presents Wine Down Wednesdays, um, Acacia's Cafe, Let Us Cater For You. And I made history on February 22nd, 2022, in my city, Marrero, Jefferson Parish. We hadn't had a parade in over 30 years. So the Culinary Queens of New Orleans was launched in 2020. We started as just a social and networking organization. We wanted to empower men, help mothers, help youth. And all of a sudden, we have a whole full-fledged carnival pool. Well, you know, it was a real stroke of genius to create the culinary queens because this is such a food area. Mm -hmm. um, and you've brought together women from one end of the culinary experience to the other. And that broadness of experience mm -hmm. is just so, so exciting because everyone then becomes friends with others and they kind of lift each other up, yes. which I think yes. is really, really wonderful. So what made you decide that it was time for a parade? Well, the parish um, contacted my manager and they were like, we hear about, you know, the culinary queens of New Orleans. What do you think about doing a carnival proof? So we were sitting at a meeting and she bought it to us and everybody was just like, we were excited, but nobody really never said yes or no, you know, and then things started moving and all of a sudden, boom, you know, we have floats, we have Arthur Hardy calling, we have other crews sending us information, come and attend this, or you the new captain, they just embraced me, like with so much love. And I felt like going underneath all these seasoned captains, like, wow, I feel like I'm in school and I'm learning something different. It, it Miss Liz, I would sit here and tell you, it's not something that I literally sat down and thought about because it's the work that's entailed to this. Had I known, like I said, I probably would not have even taken on the responsibility, but I would have. I love it. And, you know, it, it affords the entire organization the opportunity to meet with so many beautiful people all over. And so what other things does uh, the organization do besides participate in, in Mardi Gras? So on yesterday, um, we, we also have a nonprofit side, 501 side, where we do community events. So I have ADN Enterprise, which is the um, Acacia, Devon, and Nia. That's the enterprise that I use as an umbrella because Devon had his clothing line. My daughter is an entrepreneur. And then I have my book, 
and things that I do for the community as well. So we partnered together with the Culinary Queens on yesterday and we put on an event for Shiro's. It's Mothers That's Lost Kids. So we do it twice a year. We bring the mothers in, the Culinary Queens sponsored a big old brunch. We gave them flowers, entertainment, and we also plan to do things with the elderly and with the youth. Because what I found out is that mothers are hurting, fathers are hurting, but the siblings are hurting as well. So that's another component that we have underneath the nonprofit side of the Culinary Queens of New Orleans. And so what kinds of entrepreneurship are you encouraging among these women? Okay, so what am I encouraging in the food and beverage side? On the food and beverage side for the, the, uh, the members of the Culinary Queens, how are you um, bringing in people who are interested, but who want to know, well, how do I get started? And how do I, how do I bring this into a real commercial enterprise instead of something that's just in my head? Got it. So as you saw, when we came over to your place on last week, thank you so much for that. That was awesome. Um, I bring in individuals that can empower them. Because like I said, when I started, I didn't know all the aspects of being a full-fledged business owner. Just having a tax ID and an LLC doesn't make you a business owner. There's other components that they need to know. So I bring in people to assist them with that, even if it's just a thought in the mind. It may not be something that they may want to fully process when they hear everything that's entitled with it. But at the end of the day, if they do, they're in the right place. Now, a lot of my ladies, the food and beverage side of it is just a secondary because we have, you know, social workers, we have nurses. That's their first profession. Like a lot of our bartenders, they just make the cocktails because they want happy cocktails. So, you know, <laughs> we try to cover and empower the new ones and also the ones that's with us, give them the empowerment that they need to continue and be successful. Well, and I also think that it's a really good thing to learn more about the business side of food, the food industry, because you might decide, I don't really want to be an entrepreneur Correct. because you have this idea, oh, I make the best hot sauce or the best barbecue sauce mm -hmm. or whatever you might do. And the people always encourage you and they say, oh, this is so wonderful. You should bottle it and sell it. And you think, oh, yes, I could do that. But then when you find out what you gotta have involved, yes, then you say, you know, it's good enough. And so what you really do is say, now I can give the best Christmas presents that nobody else can give and whatever other things that there might be. Yes. The knowledge is the most important thing. And like now I, I find myself, I'm being pulled away from this passion to impart the knowledge that I have into the other ladies, which at the end of the day, I feel like it's, it's all worth it because I, I would not want anybody to not be knowledgeable of something that I'm a leader for. Right, right. And so what do you see for the future? Oh, Miss Liz, <laughs> last night at the event, I, I told, I was telling the ladies like, you know, every day is something new. It's like everywhere I go, somebody's pulling, they want to, you know, want us to be a part, or they want me to do this, or they want me to do that. And I said, Lord, I just don't know how much more I can take. Um, but I'm willing to take it on because it's being bought to me. I don't want to never tell anybody no, if I can help it. The future is so, so bright. I'm in the process of working on a conference. It's going to be called Millionaires in the Making. My biggest thing, what I want people to see is that, yeah, I went through holy hell. You know, I survived two things that I know the average person wouldn't survive. 
Because A, going to prison and coming home to nothing, being able to succumb it and rebuild is awesome. A lot of people go back because they don't, they can't figure out what to do. It's because I had a plan. I had a plan. So I had to execute that plan, not only for occasion, but because of my two kids. I never, ever wanted to let them down again. That was my biggest thing. And then the second thing that I've conquered, I'm, I wouldn't, I've conquered it, but I'm not over it, is the loss of my child. How many people you know can lose a child and then, you know, be able to breathe and have to forgive and, and move on? I did that. So I know just with what I've, what I've endured and what I've been through, the future is bright because people want to know. They see the glory after the story, and I'm here to share it with them. Wow. Well, that's a really, really powerful, powerful thing. So any new things going on with your restaurant? Any more personal new things that you're up to? Well, all I'm working on now, we've, we've launched the Culinary Kings, which is the sister brotherhood to the sisterhood for my queens. You know, uh -huh. there's no, no queen without a king and no king without a queen. So we've launched that. Um, we're going to have a, a Culinary Queen headquarters where we're going to have all of our gear for uh, the, the ladies. And we're also going to be launching our website, which is there, where we're going to offer some of the items that we have to the public because um, everybody wants the vibe. And we're preparing for our launching of our royalty. So that's coming up. The restaurant right now, we just coasting, um, just growing. We just uh -huh. did a big billboard advertisement right over on Expressway. So that's drawing in a lot of business, which I've been here since November 2010 at 5600 West Bank Expressway. I had been doing catering, you know, since 2015. And that was just busting at the seams. I couldn't do it. I had to convert my house into a part of it for zoning. But at one point, you know, and I was like, I don't want to own a restaurant again because I've done this before. It's hard to get people to work. You know, they're not going to be consistent. And here I am, lo and behold, with another restaurant. Well, so did you, you did you have trouble surviving COVID? Miss Liz, actually, to be totally honest with you, I thrived in a pandemic. That's COVID, wonderful. I, I mean, and you know, when I look back at this story, you know, I grew. I opened up a restaurant in the midst of a pandemic. This is where I turned my pain into a passion and formulated the Culinary Queens of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. It was then, during the pandemic, all of this started. Wow. So you were really inspired by probably just kind of the isolation that COVID made? Listen, and I will say this. I lost my son in April of 2019. You know, the world was still open. I had never stopped. I was able just to move and keep going and just not block it out and just work myself to death. Mm -hmm. You compartmentalized it exactly. so it wasn't Correct. always in the way of everything else. Absolutely. Yeah. But when I tell you, the president got on the news and he said today, which was March of 2020, he can't move. He can't go nowhere. And I said, Lord, it wasn't no more getting in my car going, going to Restaurant Depot. I had to realize that, yeah, Devon is going. Now, one or two things can happen. You can either live or you can die. And I said, ain't no way I want to die. I got too much to live for. And at that point, that's when I said, I'm going to turn this pain into a passion. 
I started cooking and I just started cooking and I just started cooking and I cooked my way into this cafe and I cooked my way into the culinary Queens of New Orleans. And I'm so glad that it happened the way it happened because, you know, I probably would have still just been going on, going on and not mm -hmm. ever accepting the fact that, which I know he was gone, but just accepting it in my heart and soul. Mm -hmm. Not coming back. So now what are you going to do? You got to live for him because this is what he would want you to do. I well, I, I really think you have the most inspiring story. And I hope that other people can see how the nurturing of others, which is what cooking does and mm -hmm. sharing food with others can really help you heal, yeah. help you, and also help you be inspired because mm -hmm. you're constantly having to love others. And we mm -hmm. all know that it's the love in the food that makes mm -hmm. it taste the best. Yes. Yes. So thank you so much for You're being welcome, Ms. Liz. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans. Learn more and subscribe to this and other podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook on Nitty Grits Podcasts. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.